everyone, and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast. This episode is titled Dock Fishing for Red Drum and Flounder, and we're going to be talking to Captain Luke Moser of Coastline Charters. We're going to be covering such areas as locations, bait and tackle, and presentations. So we got a lot to cover. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in our latest and greatest chapter, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. And it is in this podcast that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their knowledge, their insights on how to catch more fish more often, albeit the goal isn't just more fish, but I think a higher goal. What we're looking to do is to get you and your family and friends out on the water, spending more time together more often. I'm joined in this endeavor every podcast episode with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, here we are, another podcast episode. Here we go, Gary. Another episode. I've let you come in for another episode, so you're welcome. I appreciate it. I do appreciate <laughs> it. I uh, help me help me look good, man. That's what yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping you make me look good. Hey, we're, we're in this thing for sixty something episodes so far. We're having a good time. Always fun. So we appreciate everybody watching, listening, sharing the episode, and uh, rating us on iTunes or podcast, Apple Podcasts, or uh, yeah. Yeah, rate us on Apple Podcasts. I think that that'll help us out a lot. I never, I always forget to ask for that. So go feel free to go do that as well. And uh, yeah, we'll jump right in here and we'll talk about some sponsors. And then uh, I'll let you guys get to the fishing information. But our first sponsor is Marine Warehouse Center. Really love these guys. Appreciate them. Get a quick video from them and we'll be right back. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water, we have it. At Marine Warehouse Center, as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water, and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. I was just thinking, you owe it to yourself. You know what? Just pull out the credit card, <laughs> refinance the house. You owe it to yourself to own a beautiful boat. Yeah. Compliments of Marine Warehouse Center. I would get right on it, man. I'm sure my wife would be stoked if I came home and said, we don't have a house, but I got a boat. <laughs> I think she'd respect you for your courage. Yeah, she, yeah sure. She'd sure. say, that's the man I married, not... A yes man. I married yeah. a courageous man who's willing to take risks. Yeah, I, that would be a big risk, all right. As we've been talking on this show, I'm worried about Terrell. At least in his joke repertoire, I think we're I think we're scraping. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. thinking those guys at Marine Warehouse Center need to come up with a new sort of feature. Yep. But you tell me if this joke, you know, has promise. You ready? All right. Terrell's joke, not mine. Who took the baby octopus for ransom? Squidnappers. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That was a money joke. The money squidnappers. I love it. That's like that's what we should call people who listen to this podcast and watch it. You are all now known as the squidnappers. You just lost. You just lost some of our viewers. They're like, no. I'm not a squidnapper. I'm out. No, I just gained I'm gonna go viewers. Watch, I'm gonna go listen to Joe Rogan. I. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you just sent them away. You know what? Let me get, where's my DMT at? We'll get this going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, we're going to bring on more viewers and we're going to bring on some more sponsors. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And speaking of another sponsor, I want to shout out Ari Hitch. Uh, here we go. Let's shout these guys out really quickly. Raleigh Apex Hitch. Hitches, trailers, bike racks, and much more. So they take care of the fishermen, the watermen, but they also take care of all your other fun activities that you do. So I'm sure you just don't fish all the time. You go ride your bike and do all that fun stuff. Yeah, or, and have or put a hard luggage rack on top of your vehicle yeah. to drive somewhere, man. They got, I mean, that's what I was impressed at when I checked out the website, man. Quality yeah. products. So it's something that you buy and then you're done. It's something you can count on. And tell them the uh, the Squidnappers sent you up there to get a twenty dollar discount. <laughs> the Squidnappers, I love that man. That's so many new thing. Just wait for the shirts and the stickers. They're coming. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> while I'm waiting, while I'm waiting, show me a fish photo. Great segue, Gary. Way better than to the joke. I agree. All right, here we go. We got Lori Little of Wilmington, North Carolina, with a 19-inch flounder, flounder that chased down a finger mullet on a Carolina rig. This fish was caught and released in the creek near New Topsail Inlet. So, yeah, looks uh, looks like a pretty good-sized flounder there. Yeah, man, she did well. But that flounder is safe. Not lives to see another day. She did well, and Luke Moser is here to advise us all how to do well, and I like it. I like that the niche here is dock fishing. I like that we're taking on this topic. And, Billy, yeah, here's my good. reminder to you. Billy's best takeaway. Billy's That's right. best takeaway. You got it? I'm excited. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here with my pen. I got my, I got my trusty pen right here, Gary. Taking right. notes. Well, I don't want to micromanage you. I just want to set you up. I just want to make sure you're not caught off guard. <laughs> Never. I'm ready. All right. Well, let's bring on our guest tonight. Our guest tonight, Captain Luke Moser of Coastline Charters, talking about dock fishing for reds and flounder. Welcome to the show, Captain Luke. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, uh, as always. I always uh, look forward to these podcasts. Yeah, man. I, I enjoy the relationship. Look forward to talking fishing with you again here tonight in your second appearance on the podcast. <laughs> But as you know, it is tradition on the Fisherman's Post podcast that you got two questions before we get to the main event. You knew that. I didn't catch you off guard with that. Are you ready for your two questions, Luke Moser? Shoot it at me. Give me number two first. Uh, no, that is a negatory. How about why should we listen to what you have to say about a red drum and or a flounder? Why? Uh, well, you know, that's... Uh... That's a good question. Um, you got me stumped there, Gary. Um, you know, probably just, you know, I've, I've grown up, uh, you know, fishing for, for drum and flounder. I mean, uh, especially flounder, you know, as a kid, um, you know, before all the rules and regulations have changed so much. I mean, that's, that's what me and my dad did. Um, you know, that, that's all we cared about. Um, and eventually, you know, if you flounder fishing enough, you know, your, your bycatch is going to be drum. Um, and you know just you know i've done it my whole life man i mean we just covered a lot of ground a lot of water um you know with that being for the most part our only two things we fished for um you know and I, it's proven to be successful for me ever you know over the years especially the past few years guiding um you know it just it's, it's just a passion you know I, I don't there's nothing else i i care about doing per se um you know i'm, I'm made up with it Acceptable answer. We'll proceed to question number two. Question number two, 
based off your charter boat business name, Coastline, the question has to do with Coastline. How many miles of ocean coastline does North Carolina have? Uh, let's go with <laughs> 300 300. I don't know. That's probably not right at that all. That was great. No, man. It's 322. Oh. You did fantastic. I'll take it. Yes, I think that is a great guess. I was getting ready to say more than 400 or less than 400. I was going to try to help you out there, but you nailed it. I'm, I'm like completely accepting that answer, which is good for our viewers and listeners because they're probably tired of this and they want to start talking about, <laughs> they want to start hearing about dock fishing for reds and flounders. And I think, you know, everyone's question, main question often is location, like where to fish. So, all right, dock fishing. Please elaborate, Captain Luke. Sure. Um, you know, dock fishing can, can certainly be overwhelming. Um, you know, as, as any saltwater fishing can be, especially if it's not something you do um, on a regular basis. But, you know, you look at the docks and there's there's so many, you know, how do you how do you just pick one? Um, and one, unfortunately, is, you know, is not the answer. I mean, what the one thing that I, I've really grown to appreciate about dock fishing is that it doesn't get some of the pressure, um, you know, from nets and gigs and everything else. Um, you know, it's just a lot of really good structure that, um, you know, doesn't get, doesn't get fished, um, quite as much as some of the other areas do. Um, you know, so that's, that's part of the main reason why, um, you know, I like to fish these areas, but, um, you know, you just, you just have to ride around, you know, that, that, that was the hardest part for me, you know, getting into it because it is so overwhelming. And there is so many, um, you know, you can, you can sit on one dock and not catch anything and skip and go down two or three more. And the one right beside you is the one that's, you know, got all the fish on it. Um, so that, that's been the key for me, you know, is, is really focusing on all these docks, you know, just as a whole, um, you know, there, there's certainly, single docks that hold fish and you know i'll get into some of those reasons but um you know just just covering ground was you know the main thing you know to to locate fish that way um but outside of that you know i believe our last podcast was you know on sheep's head um and it kind of holds true true to this as well um you know i you know i would ride around you know i'd get up early you know when it's still dark or stay out late when it's dark you know go right around and look at these docks see which ones have lights on them um, you know, of course that always attracts fish, um, of any kind, bait, shrimp, drum, trout, you know, you, you name it. Um, and that's just an easy way to give you a, a great starting point. You know, if you find four docks that are lit up, you know, at night, one of those is going to have fish on it for sure. If not all of them. Um, and then the, you know, the same deal during the day, you know, like I said, with the sheep set of fishing, you know, I, I'm going around. Um, I guess I've got a lot of them figured out at this point, but, you know, looking for that old growth, you know, the docks are just old and busted up and, you know, for lack of better words, just look raggedy. Um, you know, those are the ones that a lot of times are going to hold fish, not that, you know, the newer docks don't, but, um, you know, there's just years of, you know, vegetation growth, barnacles, oysters, you know, whatever it may be. And that's the stuff that's going to bring your shrimp and your little bait fish and then turn your big fish. Um, so those are kind of, to me, just, just key things to focus on, you know, somebody new into it or anybody really, um, 
that's the easiest starting point you can have. Um, you know, and then, then you can branch out from there. And, you know, one, one thing that is great about the docks, I don't care what the tide is. You know, you, you might have a great spot that you drum or flounder fish or whatever, you know, in the grass. Um, but no matter what, at least in this area, at low tide, high tide, whatever, there's going to be a ton of places to fish. Um, you know, low tide certainly affects a lot of people, you know, as far as not having any water to get there. There's a lot of docks that still have plenty of water at low tide. Um, you know, so it just gives you plenty of places to go try no matter what the tide is. Um, and that, that's one thing I really enjoy about it. You know, you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket. Well, I'm grass fishing today, you know, until the tide falls out and then I have to go home. Well, you know, look, you've, you've got miles of docks that are still going to have water. Um, and those are some of the kind of the key focal points for me, um, you know, just areas to try like that. So I got a couple of follow-up questions, man. This is good. Like you sure. got my brain going already. Hey, for docks that are lit up at night, has it been your experience that those docks also seem to do well during the day because they're holding stuff at yes. night? Yes, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, some of those fish, you know, some of these docks, they, you know, hold trout, um, you know, and things like that. And I, that, that's kind of a totally different, different ordeal. But um, absolutely, you know, the, some of the other fish may leave, but, you know, that bait's still staying there. You know, those flounder and drum are still going to hang out there. Um, you know, they don't necessarily move away from it at all. Um, you know, so that, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, I'll go back, you know, the next day just because I know there's going to be bait and stuff there already. You know, it's, it's not really going to leave. And if then, that answers your question. Yeah, no, that does answer my question. That makes sense. I'd never really thought about that before. But, you know, at first when you said, you know, go around looking for docks at night, I was like, is, is he advising me for my day fishing or is he advising me for night fishing? But it yes, sounds like it's sorry. both. No, yes. man, that's good. Yes. So then my other question is, are you preferable to docks in the ICW or docks up in creeks? Does that matter much in your experience? Yes. Um, yes and no. I mean, the typically, in, you know, in the summertime, man, I mean, I'm kind of following the bait for sure. Um, you know, and once it gets up in these creeks and stuff, you know, there's going to be fish there. Um, you know, it's not totally sold to just, you know, fishing in, in the ICW, um, you know, the, the mainland creeks, um, you know, they're going to hold, hold bait year round. Um, you know, there's going to be shrimp and mud minnows that vary back in those places. Um, you know, so yes, I, I will fish, fish any of them. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sold to, to one particular one by any means. And then I guess, you were talking about riding around and just checking out docks and making notes and sort of coming up with a plan. And I follow about like old growth and raggedy docks, but what about like, I guess one of the questions I was thinking about, like what about water depth? And are you like a dock that has at least X amount of feet at the end at low tide? Do you like in docks that have water that never get dry, even up to land at low tide? I mean, you know, what do you have any parameters there that you've patterned that seems to say that might be more likely to hold fish? Sure. Um, that, that's actually a, a good question, Gary. Um, you know, and I pointed out, you know, the lights and the barnacles and everything, just because it's a visual that you can see, you know, you, 
just from riding down the water. You don't actually have to get up close to it. You know, you can see this stuff riding down the waterway. So you don't have to put in as much effort. You know, you can say, okay, well, you know, that duck's really good. I'm going to try that, you know, tomorrow or whatever. Um, but as far as actually going up, you know, to look at some of these docks, you know, to get the depth. Um, no, uh, any, there certainly is a pattern on it. Um, you know, I like the docks that even, if, I mean, even if it's not navigable, I can't ever say that. <laughs> Even if it's not water that you can get to, you know, at low tide, there's still going to be fish there. You know, they, they may move out closer to the front, but um, typically what I'm looking for is at high tide to the dock to have at least two or three foot of water, you know, right up close to the bank, um, okay. you know, within three or four feet of, you know, the shoreline. Um, but I mean, I, I'll, I'll fish them. If my boat will float, uh, which it floats in nothing. I, I will, I'll fish it. Um, you know, that, that's a, a big thing. I feel like people, you know, get the wrong idea about is, you know, deep water, big fish, um, or, you know, this is only, you know, 10 inches of water. There's not going to be anything here. You know, I, I figured that out a long time ago, you know, with people that gig at night, you know, that's traditionally done, you know, in shallow water, you know, flounder come in shallow water at night flounder will stay in shallow water the big every big flounder i've caught has been in three foot or less uh, minus you know ocean fish which is just totally different but any of my you know inshore you know seven eight pound fish they have been in three foot of water or less um but so that, that's what i'm looking at just you know as long as it's got water on the bank you know at low tide where i can get up there to it you know i want it to be able to reach the grass or you know the sand whatever's there um but you know, the ones that get totally dry, dry, I mean, like mud at low tide, you don't see that a lot in my, you know, in this area, Russell Beach, Carolina Beach, there's a few, um, but those aren't places I typically, you know, fish in general. Um, but, you know, if there's a, if there's a trough, you know, where you can see a sandbar at low tide, but then still between the, tr the sandbar and the actual mainland, there's still water. That's fine. I mean, that's, that's great. You know, a lot of times those fish will be hanging out in that, in that trough, you know, on the high tide. So, you know, it, as long as it's got water, I mean, even a little bit, that's, that's totally fine. What, what about a location of the dock, such as like closer to the inlet versus farther away from the inlet or like across a, from the waterway from a Creek drain or anything along those lines, any of that factor in? Sure. Um, and it's, it's kind of a time of the year thing. Um, you know, I find that, you know, in early, you know, flounder season drum, you know, when the drum and everything is starting to bite well, um, you know, a little bit closer to the inlets um, is, is certainly better. You know, there's going to be more bait concentrated in those areas. Um, but then once you get in, you know, the high summer, you know, in August and everything, um, not necessarily. Um, you know, sometimes I may go to the inlet um, or closer to it for, you know, water clarity, um, you know, following the tide or looking for clean water. Um, but I haven't necessarily found that, you know, being right at the inlet, you know, is a game changer, you know, especially when it's, you know, high August, you know, September, whatever it is. Um, you know, the baits everywhere, the fish are going to be everywhere. Um, you know, certainly rain does affect it. Um, you know, and that, that's where I may, you know, push closer to the inlet to get some higher salinities. Um, but just general overall, you know, conditions are fine. Um, anywhere along the ICW, uh, I truthfully can't tell that it's made that big of a difference to me being closer to the inlet or not, as long as there's, you know, bait, um, 
in that area and the water's not, you know, coffee, um, which we'll, we'll get into that later, but um, I can't see that it's made a, a huge difference to me, you know, fall and spring. Yes. But you know, high, high summertime, not at all. Okay. Well, let's, uh, unless you got any final thoughts there on, you know, just sort of target, you know, selecting docks. I mean, maybe we moved on to, you know, bait and tackle gear, you know, about how you prepare yeah. and then move I, into I, presentation. Sure. Um, I did have one thing I, I kind of forgot to mention as far as docks go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this water, you know, in, you know, foot, two foot, whatever at high tide. Um, but at low tide, um, you know, a lot of these, you know, the, I like to, you know, fish some of the, I go back and forth between short docks and long docks, but usually the shorter docks, you know, they're typically closer to deep water, um, at least around here. And the ones that, you know, have water and everything or just a little bit of water at, at low tide, um, I like to look for those ones that it's a hard drop off. You know, it goes from, you know, one or two foot at low or even even less to, you know, five, six, eight, ten feet quick. Um, you know, that's a, that's a great area to target, um, you know, drum the, the, and flounder as well. You know, it's, it's tough because the water is usually muddy, you know, on this, you know, conditions with the tide. Um, but that's another really good thing to look for. It's just that hard shelf that drops off. Um, you know, you can see it at high tide, low tide, whatever, but, uh, th those are docks that I, I really like to look at as well. Okay, man. And then what are you, how are you rigging up for these ducks? Um, I, I go back and forth between a couple of different tactics. Um, you know, what, one thing I've started doing in the past year or so, um, is kind of, you know, fan casting per se before I actually get up and, and fish the hard structure. You know, I do this quick. Um, you know, there are specific ways to target drum. Um, I think, um, you know, when you're dock fishing, you know, you, you can catch, draw a man flounder you know certainly but um you know early in the morning uh and th this part's going to be a little bit more geared towards a drum um you know I, i'll get up um you know on the on the down current side or you know if you got a power pole up current side um or an anchor you know however you'd like to do it um for this part i like to be on the up current side um just because you got a little bit better control of your bait but um you know i'll get within a, a long casting distance um, of the dock and I, you know, if it's early one, I like to throw top water kind of down the whole spectrum of the dock, you know, and letting that tide, um, you know, bring it, bring your top water flow close to the dock. Um, and just working, you know, in those early morning hours, you know, those, those drum will come out, you know, they'll still come out from under a dock and, you know, grab a top water plug. Um, and that's to me has been a, you know, a, a good thing I've started doing cause it, you know, it kind of eliminates you getting right on top of it, maybe spooking some of the fish um, per se. And then, you know, you could go ahead and pull one of those reds out that you may have missed, you know, live bait or cut bait fishing. Um, so I started that, you know, I make four or five casts where I pretty much cover the whole, the whole spectrum of the dock. Um, you know, that's not geared towards flounder per se, um, although they will hit a top water, it just doesn't happen that often. Um, and then, you know, I might for, you know, another, you know, do that for, two or three minutes. I mean, I don't spend a whole lot of time, you know, I might throw top water on the, on the same water, maybe twice. Um, but then I'll, you know, maybe throw artificial, um, you know, I like Z-Man products, um, just because the trash fish and everything don't, don't necessarily tear it apart. 
Um, but Z-Man, any kind of, you know, shrimp, jerk shot, I, I really don't care what it is um, and something like that. Um, and I'll do the same thing. You know, I'll, I'll cast up and down the dock just to, just to cover that whole deal, you know, where your drum are mostly right up under the dock. Um, per se, a lot of times the flounder will be, some of them will be scattered about. Um, and I've started doing that, man, and it just seems to, you know, put a few more keeper fish in the box that, you know, I otherwise wouldn't have caught. You know, a flounder's not going to go. I mean, they will, but it just doesn't, you're not going to, you know, if that flounder's 20 foot away from the dock, he's never going to see what you're casting, you know, directly out of the dock live bait fishing. So um, that's one of the main things I've started doing. Um, you know, it's just the first tactic pulling up to it. Um, and that's one of those things, you know, you're going to find as you do this, which, which dock that's applicable to, you know, some of them, you know, drum aren't going to come out or there's just not any flounder there or whatever. Um, but it's just a really quick, easy way to fast fish a dock just to, you know, pluck a couple of fish off of there, um, you know, and then dive right in to um, how I would normally fish it. Um, and I'll get to that. Gary, do you have any questions on that part? No, man, that makes sense to me to do a search tactic before you sort of, yeah. you know, settle in and really try to cover it, I guess. Um, no, man, let's go. You know, I like the search technique and I, I'm ready to hear you talk about, you know, the more traditional, you know, bait fish in the dock now. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of sling some of the, I guess, the, the bait topic in there a little bit. Um, or I can, I can wait on that. It's kind of hard to do both. Um, the, you know, just what I'll typically do, um, you know, is whatever live bait I can get. Um, and, you know, we'll get into the bait thing here shortly, but you can talk um, about bait now, man. Okay. Well, it'll just, you know, it'll, it'll help it roll, but either way, it, it truthfully doesn't matter. Um, you know, I've certainly, you know, had some baits that work better than others, but, um, once I go into the bait fishing, these docks, um, you know, and I'm going to base part of it solely on flounder. Um, you know, everybody likes finger mullet and I do too. I mean, they're, they're great. They're abundant in the summertime. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty easy to get. Um, so that's, that's usually what I'll go for. Um, you know, men Hayden are great as well. Um, you know, I don't typically catch too many drum inshore on men Hayden. Um, just for me personally, um, I don't know why, excuse me, live men Hayden. Um, so a lot of times I'm the easiest thing I'm looking for is finger mullet. Um, but you know, something people don't always, you know, think about, um, you know, I encourage you when you, when you clean your fish, look and see what they're eating. Um, you know, very rarely do I clean a drum or a flounder that doesn't have anything in it. Um, you know, and growing up finger mullet was all you used, you know, it was just finger mullet. That was it. That's what you flounder and drum fished with, you know, unless you're using cup bait, but you know, the more flounder I've cleaned, um, you know, I find finger mullet in them occasionally, but a lot of times it's pinfish or croakers or little lizard fish. Um, you know, and I, I've started using some of those, you know, when I can find them, um, you know, little, a little pinfish or lizard fish croaker, any of that, it, it, it is killer on a flounder. Um, and I think part of the reason, you know, that is, you know, if you, if you ride down the waterway and look, you know, your finger mullet are up top, you know, there's certainly some, you know, in the mid column, but for the most part, they're up top. Um, you know, I think anybody would agree with that. Um, and then, you know, your pinfish and lizards and croakers, you know, those fish are down in, you know, in the flounder territory. They're, they're, you know, close to the bottom or, 
um, you know, just above it. Um, so I, I do think that that's a lot of what they feed on, um, you know, just because it's in their face all day long. Uh, and I know they'll eat any of, any of it, but um, don't be afraid to use, you know, something else besides finger mullet. Um, but so anyways, rolling into just the, the bait, you know, as far as presentation goes, um, you know, same deal. Uh, mullet, pinfish, croaker, whatever I've got. Um, you know, I like to get on my trolling motor if if I can. Um, you know, and I realize not everybody's going to have a trolling motor, and that's fine. You can still fish it the same way. Um, you know, anchor can sometimes be a little bit tough. Power poles are great, um, but I really, if I can help it, like to try to fish the whole dock. You know, from you know, if I start at the front and fish all the way to the mainland, um, you know, and really trying to throw through the dock you know, get it on the other side, um, and bring it back to you. And I, when I'm doing this, uh, I forgot this part, Gary, I like to be on the down current side of that. That way, you know, your live baits coming through there as naturally as it possibly can, you know, those flounder are laying, looking upstream. Um, and you know, you're going to be bringing that bait, you know, directly through it. Um, and I'm going to be fishing the Carolina rig that way. Um, you know, my leader does change, uh, depending on the water clarity. Um, but I really like to fish, you know, try to fish the whole dock, you know, throw all the way through it if you can. Um, and, you know, work it back through each pile. And it's a pretty quick fish. Um, it's not very much different than bass fishing. Gary, you've been with me before. Um, you know, I'm constantly on my trolling motor, you know, covering ground if I can help it. Um, and that, that's going to produce fish, you know. Yeah, the, those flounder are laying there in one spot, but, you know, they're not that much different from, you know, drum or anything else. You know, if they're hungry, they're going to bite. You know, there's no need to sit there and wait for 10 minutes in one spot, you know, for one fish. You know, I'm going to keep moving. Um, and that, that's why I like to fish the front and go all the way to the mainland, you know, trying to really pitch up under, you know, each piling, uh, you know, best I can. And, you know, at that turn, you're drum fishing as well. Um, you know, if those drummer, you know, if that bait comes by them, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to eat it. Um, you know, at least in the summertime, the wintertime can be a little bit weird, but, um, you know, that, that, like I said, that was how we used to flounder fish. And in turn, that was our bycatch, you know, was drum. Um, you know, when you're flounder fishing, you're drum fishing, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, using live bait like that. Now what I'll do, you know, if I'm really trying to focus on drum, um, I'll do the same thing. You know, I'll fish kind of on the deeper side for just a few minutes and then I'll move up close, you know, to the bank. Um, and typically when I do that, I'll throw a couple of rods out and, you know, let somebody hold it or I'll hold, you know, however it works out. Um, but I'll let those sit there for a minute, you know, just because the drum do move around significantly more than the flounder, you know, the flounder, you're just bringing it past him where those drum are moving around. You know, you might, you might pitch through a pile and, and bring it through there and he's facing the other way, you know, and then you pitch it to the next one and he's turning went some, you know, went a different direction. So I do like to let those just sit. Um, if I was, specifically targeting drum um same deal finger mullet um drum i do like finger mullet because they will they'll come up and you know chasing it out i mean i've caught them on croaker and everything else but um finger mullet's great for those and i do like menhaden but it's cut bait um i use a lot of cut bait for drum um you know especially when the water's muddy um you know it, it's incredibly easy i mean you do have to fight pinfish and everything else um but if I was specifically trying to just catch drum, um, 
you know, cut bait, throw several rods out, let it sit, you know, five minutes, pick it up and roll. Um, and then that, that's how I fish all these docks. It's five minutes. If I've covered the whole thing in five minutes, I'm gone. So to, I followed you on the red drum. I mean, on the flounder, you targeting every, between every pylon. So for the red drum, just there at the end, you're going to s- send out several rods, let them sit and you'll let them sit for five minutes or so. And if nothing, you don't get a pull down, then it's on to the next dock. Yep. Yep. I would, um, and the drum fishing, like I said, I, I would, I don't move it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to work it away from the dock. I'm going to throw it and let it sit right there. Um, I mean, I've been put slack in my line, you know, tell my customers, you know, don't move it. I mean, a lot of times I just tell them to put it in the rod holder, um, you know, cause it's easy to fill a little pinfish by and like, Oh, and you move it a couple of feet, you know? Um, and I don't like to do that, you know, bait fishing, you know, I want to keep it right there at it. You know, that top water's putting a, you know, a pretty wild action and no way. So it makes sense why they'll leave for that. But, um, I found if you get it more than a foot, two foot away, they're not going to come get it. Um, so yes, just sit still for five minutes, you know, put a couple rods out, you know, in a few different areas. Um, and if you don't do anything, you know, pick up and move. Um, but that, that's the main thing is, is leave it in the target zone, you know, cut bait fishing or something like that for drug. And then on the, uh, flounder fishing, um, is there a reason you th- why you like to start at like the end of the dock and then move to land? Is that just preference or you think there's strategy to that? Um, no, um, it, it's just preference. Um, I don't think there's, there's necessarily any strategy to it. Um, you know, I guess it gives me a little bit of peace of mind. Um, you know, when you pull up to a dock, you know, it, it takes you a second to get your stuff, whether you put your trolling motor down or put your anchor down or your power poles or whatever, it takes you a second to, you know, get your rods, get your bait and everything. Um, and I just feel like if I start in deeper water, um, I'm not making, you know, maybe as much commotion, um, you know, underwater, it's not as loud. I'm not, you know, I didn't come in too hot and, you know, have to throw it in reverse and kick mud up all around the dock. Um, that's probably the main reason why I do it. Um, it, it just gives me peace of mind that maybe I haven't scared the fish versus, you know, pulling up in a foot of water and, you know, Shrek footing all around your boat, trying to get your stuff together. Um, or like I said, you come in too fast or, you know, your anchor slips or whatever. Um, you know, at least if you're in deep water, you're not, and I say deep water, you know, five, seven, whatever, 10 foot, you're not spooking fish at that depth. At least in my head, that's, that's how it seems. And it seemed to be productive for me. That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. It sounds like a logical answer. I mean, I think another question I had and, you know, I'm, I'm believe I'm following you. So red drum hold more in general, red drum will hold up more right underneath the docks. Flounder, you say will yeah. be under the docks and away from the docks as well. When you're in that right. mode, when you're in that mode with live bait fishing and you're throwing through every pylon, you know, working your way through the dock, I guess more specifically flounder fishing at that point than red drum fishing. Are you close to the dock? And at that point, have you said, I'm, I'm really just focusing on flounder under the dock? Or are you away from the dock and you're fishing your way all the way back to the boat and trying to get some of those scattered flounder that might not be right under the dock? Um, yes, that's a, that's a good question. So once I've, you know, I was talking about earlier doing, you know, the, the fan cast and the searching, once I've done that, um, I'm done. Um, I'm not going to worry about those fish anymore. You know, if they didn't bite through there, then, you know, so be it. Um, I'm going to get up close to the dock. I mean, I'm going to be, 
Um, you know, it, really, you want to be as far away as you can possibly be to still, you know, make an effective cast, um, you know, without hanging up in the pylons and everything. Um, and I'm going to work it maybe five or 10 feet at the most away from the dock. I mean, probably not even that. I mean, a lot of times I throw through it, you know, work it back to me, you know, just pat once it gets through the dock. Um, and I'm pretty much done. I mean, a lot of the times they'll, they'll hit it as soon as it comes out of the dock. Um, so, you know, I, I don't really waste a whole lot of time, um, you know, trying to re retarget those fish that I've already, you know, search cast through, um, you know, you, some, you, you certainly could. Um, but just for me, man, I'm, you know, I'm running and gunning. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time in one area. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, like I said, once I bring it through, um, to start with, and if I don't pick anything up, you know, if I pick a couple of fish up fan casting, I may keep doing it. But once I go to dock fishing up tight, that's all I'm doing. Uh, I'm not worried about the fish behind me or, anything like that. So maybe talk to me a little bit about the, uh, your Carolina rig or, you know, and how you're hooking the different bait choices you've talked sure. about. And, uh, what I had another question I'll think of as you're answering that. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, tackle, uh, some people, uh, might would, might would cringe when they hear this. So uh, I know me and Luke Donay had this, uh, topic when we did, um, one of the fishing schools, you know, our, our tactics were kind of dramatically different. Um, and, you know, don't, don't take what I have to say is, you know, the gospel, you know, you, you got to go out and figure it out on your own, you know, what works for you. Um, but just me personally, um, I think some would, you know, find it to be overkill, but, um, you know, I'm fishing a pretty heavy duty rod. Um, you know, seven foot, uh, medium heavy, you know, 20 to 30 pound braid. Um, but I'm, I put 50 on it. Um, you know, I fish usually a pin 4,000, um, you know, loaded with 50 pound power pro, you know, green braid. Um, you know, it, it's a, still a small diameter, um, you know, cast fine for my purpose. Uh, and you know, it's heavy, you know, I don't, if something breaks that, then, you know, uh, I didn't have anything for him anyways, not in shore. Um, so, you know, some people like to go a little bit lighter. I just, you know, I never really, you know, I'm not there to, I mean, I enjoy the fight of the fish, but, you know, I want the fish to come in the boat. Um, you know, that's, that's what, I don't know. It, it eats me alive. You know, you can fish that heavy gear like that and, you know, horse him out of there. Um, and, you know, and if you're not going to keep it, you know, you can get it back in the water quick, but um, 50 pound braid, you know, heavy rod, um, is what I like to use. And then, you know, my Carolina rig, I think this goes, you know, across the board with anybody who likes a flounder fish. Um, you know, I like to use as light of weight as I can, um, you know, to, to make contact with the bottom or, you know, not have my bait swimming around, um, you know, with the weight, um, you know, so that it, it just varies. Um, but as small as weight you can, the smallest weight you can use. Um, and then the leader goes, um, I'm usually 30, you know, 30 pound fluorocarbon. Um, and I like to use a kale hook, um, you know, a big four out kale hook. Uh, I really don't care how big or small the bait is. Um, I haven't seen that it's made a, a tremendous difference for me to really downsize in my hook. Um, you know, so that's, that's typically my, you know, my rig and, you know, as far as my leader goes, um, it's going to vary with the, you know, with the water clarity, um, for sure. 
but typically I try to go as short as I can. Um, a lot of times I'm 10 to 12 inches. Um, you know, sometimes a little bit more if I am fishing some really, really clear water um, and the fish are not responding. You know, if I'm fishing all, you know, for a couple of docks or whatever and the fish are not responding to my rig, you know, they can certainly just not be biting, but I'll go ahead and change it up. You know, I'll, or I'll have another one rigged up that's maybe, you know, 15 to 18 inches longer. I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, when you're fishing, you know, two foot of water, that's a lot. Um, so I, I like to have a couple of different, different setups ready, um, you know, from short to medium to a, you know, a, a long leader. Um, but that, that's typical, that's my typical setup, you know, heavy duty, um, you know, and I, this would probably kill somebody else as well, man, but I, I mean, I like my, dra my drag down, um, drum flounder, you know, whatever I, I've gotten to where I, I sometimes will loosen my drag for, um, you know, flounder some, but mostly when it's a, you know, a tournament day, but, um, I just like to keep it locked down, man. You know, that you get a lot of drum, you know, in these docks like this. And, you know, if you're not paying attention, especially if you don't have, you know, heavy enough gear, you know, and a 26 inch drum hits you, you know, right under the dock, you gotta, you gotta be able to turn him, um, somehow or another. And that, that's why I like to lock it down. I mean, it just gives me, you know, that good jump to get right on top of that fish. Um, you know, if he gets you through the dock at, I don't care what you got, you know, it's going to be tough to get them out. But, um, that has been a game changer to me over the years is having that drag locked down. I mean, the amount of fish I've lost versus gotten out, um, is substantially different. All right, man. And then with this, with the Carolina rig, whether maybe walk me through how you rig your live bait choices, you know, whether it's a mullet or a pogey or a pinfish, and then maybe just a little bit discussion on, you know, your favorite cut bait and how you, you know, size of the cut bait and how you hook. That sure. Up. Sure. Um, as far as hooking the live bait, um, I pretty much always hook them the same way. Um, you know, from the bottom up to the top, you know, right through the bottom lip up to the top. Um, you know, nothing, nothing super fancy about that. I mean, I've, I've hooked them in the tail before I've hooked them through the eyes or the nose. Um, I can't see that it, it does any, I don't think it's worth it to me. Um, I've never seen that it's really made a difference. Um, and honestly, I think it's maybe have fewer bites. Um, so just, just hook them straight up to the nose. Um, I don't care what it is. Um, finger mullet, pinfish, croaker, whatever. Um, that's how I always hook my stuff. Um, and then, you know, as far as cut bait goes, you know, like I said, men, men hating, it's probably my favorite. Um, lizard fish make pretty good cut bait too. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, you know, Jamie, Jamie's a big fan of those, man. A, a local captain taught me that a long time ago. You know, the, the lizard fish, you know, most people throw them back cause they're a nuisance, but they do make pretty good cut bait. Um, you know, so I'll use those, but I mean, I, I cut everything into chunks. Um, you know, I have in the past, I have, you know, filleted, you know, a strip like that. Cause that does give you a, you know, kind of a better chance at a flounder if need be, you know, the current catches it just right and it, it flutters or whatever. Um, but you know, in August, September, man, the pinfish are so bad. Um, I've just gotten to where I chunk everything, um, you know, just to, it, it seems to last a little bit longer and I'll do, you know, maybe a inch or two inch chunk, um, you know, sometimes a little bigger, um, you know, if the pinfish are really, really bad, but you know, something that's, you know, you're going to look at it like, wait, this is huge or no, this is too small. Um, 
you know, if you're throwing it out there and it's getting gone in half a second from pinfish, then, you know, go, go up in size, but, um, you know, a, a pretty reasonable meaty piece of piece of bait. Um, you know, if I was going to take a menhaden, um, you know, I'll, you know, if it's a, if it's a six inch menhaden, um, and just to give you an idea, you know, as far as the other fish goes, I'll cut the head off. Um, you know, that's one piece right there. Um, you know, then the center and then the tail. Um, so I usually get, you know, three good chunks of bait, um, you know, out of one menhaden. Um, you know, as far as finger mullet go, you know, we don't really start getting consistent. You know, once they start getting oversized, um, you know, as we get later into the fall, um, you know, then I may cut those in half. But usually I'll just just cut them off right behind the head um, and just hook it anywhere. Um, I'm not sold to one specific way. Okay. So I think we're at the point in the podcast where we're wrapping up. So what I'll do is, Luke, I'll say three questions. Do you have any final thoughts to share with us about specific to Red Drum? Do you have any final thoughts to share with us specific to Flounder? And then anything else you want to throw out there, you know, or you can just wrap it up with one Flounder, one Red Drum final thought when it comes to dock fishing and success. Sure. Um, I'm going to go, I guess, you know, overall the, and I, I've said this before, um, the best advice I can give anybody, um, you know, dock fish or any kind of fishing, but especially docks move, keep moving. Um, you know, if you sat there five, 10 minutes at the latest, unless you just know there's fish there that you caught some there yesterday and there was, you know, four drum and you missed five, you know, move keep moving. Um, I just, th there's no need to, to sit in these places, you know, for very long. I mean, they're certainly, you know, if they're biting on a certain tide or whatever, um, you know, once you get that pinpointed, but, um, cover ground. I mean, I'm constantly moving. Like I said, I mean, I may fish 20 or 30 spots, you know, in a four hour trip, you know, on docks. Um, you know, if they're there and they're biting, I mean, a lot of times I can only get, you know, two or three rods out you know, before a drum hits, you know, and the, the flounder are the same way, you know, it's not quite as aggressive, but if they're there and they're feeding this quick, you know, it's not go back and forth, you know, whatever, wait for 10 minutes and then, you know, move, you know, it's, you got to keep moving. That's the best advice I can give somebody. And, you know, if you do, you know, fish down one of these docks and you do catch one drum or, you know, a couple of flounder, you miss some fish, then I would stay a little bit longer. Then I would turn, you know, and, and repeat that. Um, only if I'm getting bites, you know, if I'm not getting bites, I'm not going to stay there. That That's the best advice I can give anybody. You know, you see people that sit in one spot for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. I mean, I've seen people sit in the same spot for half a day. You know, you're, you're not wasting your time because you're out there, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you enjoy, but keep moving. Um, that, that's the, the, the best advice I can give. And I can't harp on that enough. I think that's a solid final thought, man. I think that's a, I think that's a good suggestion. I, I I've enjoyed this conversation, you know, very detailed about dock fishing, man. Very good, Luke. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Thank you. I enjoyed it. All right. Next time, Luke, next time. Yep. Yep. That sounds good, man. I appreciate it guys. Yeah, man. Billy. All right, dude. You now know right. everything you need to know about dock fishing for yeah, red drum and flounder. I know everything. I'm ready to go. But though you know everything, what I want to hear from you is your Billy's best takeaway. Well, Gary, in my flounder fishing experience, I catch a lot of those lizard fish. So when he ah. said, chop those things up into cut bait, I thought, 
you know what? That's a really good idea. <laughs> therapeutic. My, maybe it'll be therapeutic for you too. Yeah, man. I stick in my anger and chop into this little fish. You know, they get those little death teeth or whatever I call them anyway, man. I gotta. I, I mean, I probably kill them anyway, just because I don't. Anyway, those things are. If you've ever seen one, if you haven't, I'm sure everybody's seen one. What am I even talking about? What are you even talking They're about? They're all over the place. I've caught some big ones too. I should like enter into a Do you a host a saltwater podcast? Yeah, no, I don't. I co-host and produce. <laughs> Good answer. And, uh, uh, yeah, don't worry. I'm going to be the the lizard fish murderer. That's going to be season two of this podcast. That no, that was really good, man. It was uh, and keep moving too. You know, I think so many times we get stuck on a spot. You know, especially especially like me. Like I'll go find a spot. And, you know, I don't have a boat, and so I'm have to. I, my spots are limited. So if I find a little bit of a spot, I just go hammer the crap out of it. And then even if I don't catch fish, I'm still like, well, at least I'm fishing it. But just keep moving. I think that's a good tip. I think my best takeaway was. At the beginning, at the pre-show, Luke was like a little bit nervous that we'd have a whole show on dock fishing. And then look, man, I could have, yeah. I mean, that guy could have kept going on and on like yep. more than a show's worth. And that's, that's my experience with these guys, man. They know, you know, they know so much. And mm -hmm. once they get going, once they get talking, add in a few questions, man, you know, the, the details come out. It's great. Yeah, man. They, they know their stuff. That's why we have them on here. They're the best of the best. Marine Warehouse Center knows their stuff. And if you sh if you don't know them, you should sales, service, and parts. And as I often say on the podcast, man, they're not just selling to the fish and boating community; they're yeah. part of the fish and boating community. Man, those guys are a real deal. Yeah, should, they are. You should look into them. And get a hat. I got a I got a hat. I got a couple hats. I got a few hats, Gary. Pretty stoked on it. Where's your hat at? <laughs> I was just thinking, man. I was like thinking, you know, should I start wearing a hat? I have to think about well, that. Well, then I'd have to adjust the lighting, and it gets all complicated. Your eyes look good right now in the lighting, so I got to oh, keep it that way. Thank you. All right, man. Until next time, Gary. It was a great show. Thanks again, and thanks to Luke Moser as well. You guys go check him out. Fisherman.